most small businesses are compromised for 27 months before they detect it. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, excited to have Dr. Eric Cole. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Todd. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dr. Eric Cole, he is a former CIA hacker, cybersecurity commissioner to the Obama administration and advisor to clients, including the Obama family, Bill and Melinda Gates, uh, Lockheed Martin, um, McAfee, McAfee, McAfee. I don't know. I never know how to say that name. Um, tomato, tomatoes, right? Tomato, <laughs> tomato, exactly. Same thing. Um, so yeah, so that's a little bit about, uh, Eric, why don't you give us a little bit more about your background and, uh, and, and what you got going on today? Sure. So I started working for the government for 10 years. And as you said, I did a lot of cybersecurity work, professional hacking on the offensive side. And after working for the government for two years, for uh, 10 years, I learned two things. One offense is easy. You can always break in. So I focus more on the defensive side. And two, I learned that I don't like working for other people <laughs> because uh, one of my favorite, favorite quotes is, if you don't pursue your own dreams, somebody will pay you to pursue theirs and build theirs. So, so we have to work it for the government. Like, why am I working for other people and making them a lot of money when I could be going in and starting my own company? So I'm one of those rare breeds of entrepreneur geeky cybersecurity guy. So I've built and sold them on my fourth company right now. So after leaving that, I built and sold the company to Lockheed Martin. I then joined forces with Dave DeWalt, who was CEO of McAfee, and we revamped the entire product line. I sold that company. I then had a training business in cybersecurity that I bought and sold. And now I'm building out a consulting company really focusing on building out roadmaps and helping organizations understand this challenge in cybersecurity. So the underlying weave is I love building companies. I love helping people and I love doing cybersecurity. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's awesome. I, I like that defense is uh, you're, you're focusing on defense um, on that. So, uh, and it's, it's, you're speaking to our crowd, right? A lot of people here just don't like working for somebody else, including myself. Uh, we can't, we can't uh, get up every day and go, yeah, I'm making somebody else money. <laughs> I'm, I'm making somebody else's dreams come true. We want our own dreams to come true. We want to do it ourselves. So uh, you're, you're definitely preaching to the choir here with, with our, uh, with our audience. So I love it. Um, so talk, talk about, and obviously cybersecurity is a big thing. Um, you hear it on the, in the media when we have some of these, big things that have happened recently. Um, how, how do we protect, you know, most of, most of my audience is a, you know, smaller entrepreneurs. They're not running, you know, huge companies like Lockheed Martin, um, you know, so, so running a little bit smaller, smaller companies are a lot smaller than a Lockheed Martin. Um, so what, like, what do we have to worry about, have to think about um, as far as, you know, cybersecurity goes, I've got money. I don't want it all lost. I've got assets. I don't want them all lost. What, what do I need to think about? It's one of those things. Cybersecurity is not that hard. 
if you just focus on a couple of things. First is you need to wrap your arms around the fact that you are a target. No matter how small you are, whether you're running a business that's making 500K, 5 million, 50 million, or 500 million, you're going to be a target. And the ironic part about it is the smaller your company, the bigger the target. And here's why. Hmm. Today's attackers have learned breaking into a Lockheed Martin is not easy. They have hundreds of people. They have millions of dollars on security. There's a lot going on. So trying to steal a million dollars from Lockheed Martin is really, really difficult. However, if you take somebody who has $100,000 in the bank, they probably don't have anyone working on security. They don't have a lot of controls. They don't have a lot of measures. So what if I targeted 1,000 of them and stole $100,000 from each of them? I'm going to get the same payroll, but it's going to be quicker, easier, and faster. And by the way, that 100,000 could be 50,000. It could be 10,000. We see a lot of attacks out there, even $500 because it goes unnoticed. So it's one of those things that you just have to recognize you're a target and that cybersecurity is your responsibility. The next thing is, and it's really not hard, there's two big things you want to focus on. One is for any of your systems, whether it's email, finance, stock trading, uh, cyber currency, whatever it is, two-factor authentication. They all have it built in, but it's not turned on by default. So you want to do two-factor. It's called 2FA or MFA. It's built into every system. And basically, you get a challenge every time you're going to log in. Unless you still like living in the 70s and listen to the Bee Gees, passwords are not going to make it work anymore. Those are so 1970. You, you got to go with the two-factor authentication. Mm -hmm. Almost all of the attacks we're seeing are password guessing. The second big one is account notification. This, once again, bank, e-commerce, credit cards. When somebody tries to log into your bank, do a wire transfer, do an EFT, anything along those lines, you want to always get a text notification and you approve it via text. Now, I know some people come back going, Eric, do you understand my business? We're doing eight or nine of these a day. You know how annoying that's going to be? And my response is, you know how annoying it is when somebody steals a million dollars from you? You know how much work it is if somebody steals that money? So here's your choices. Option one, you can have a little annoyance where four to five times a day, you get a little notification that you have to approve. Or if you don't want that little notification, ignore it and wait for somebody to break in and steal all your money. Because these attackers are smart. They break in, and with banks and financial transfers, you have about 24 hours before uh, you can get the money back. So if you don't catch it within 24 hours, the money is gone. And here's the irony of it. If it's because of a weak password or because of a fault on your part, not the bank, you're liable, not the bank. Now, if somebody broke into the bank system, and stole your money directly from the bank, that's the bank's fault. But attackers know that, so they go after individual credentials, and then it's an individual liability, not a bank issue. Hmm. Wow. That's, uh, <laughs> so, so two-factor authentication. And it's funny, because I, I see the two-factor, and it's like, oh, that's annoying. <laughs> yes. <You know>? uh, <laughs> Uh, and then just account notification via tax. I mean, super simple, right? But uh, a little, again, another something that sounds kind of annoying, but as you said, 
how annoying is it to, if somebody takes a hundred thousand or a million or even $50,000, I had recently, we sent a check to one of our investors. Um, this is, I guess not recently, this was a few years ago. We sent a check. Now we, now we don't send checks, but we sent a check to one of our investors. Somebody stole the check, scrubbed it and, uh, rewrote the check out and it took us almost a year to actually recover that money finally did recover it but um it, it was you know what an annoyance that was only you know five thousand six thousand dollars um i can't imagine if it was a lot more and we're trying to recover that money from a cyber attack so it's it's one of those this is the reality that we live in like i tell people when you drive you buy safe cars Seatbelts are annoying, but you got used to it, right? And, and you do things, we just have to build those same habits of putting on our virtual seatbelts and putting on those safety habits on the information superhighway to make sure we're safe. What's the chance that your business or, or personally you get, you get hacked, you get compromised? What, like, is there, is it 20%? Is it 50%? Is it a hundred percent? Like what's the, what's the chance that you're going to, you know, over the next decade or two, get hacked, get your, your, your money, you know, whatever, get, get compromised. So if we start off with the definition of hack of anybody getting into the system unauthorized, so anything from a ransomware to a spoof attack to uh, false payments or anything along those lines, and we're talking at the period you said over the next 10 years, 100%. Wow. It, it, it's, it's going to happen. And I'll even That's be scary. so... Yeah, I'll even be so bold to say that it, it has happened and you might not have detected it. So, so it's yeah. happening all the time. Now, if you're talking major financial attack where somebody's going to steal $100,000 from your business or your organization, and we're looking over the next 10 years, that's probably in the 30% range that that's going to happen. But, but, but if you're looking just any basic attack where they're stealing anything from 10, 15, uh, $20, anything along those lines. Yeah. That kind of stuff's happening all the time. Wow. That that's, uh, even 30% is a big number. I mean, if you're, if you're <laughs> one of three of 10 people that are getting uh, a good chunk of money stolen and that's, that's a big percentage. So how do you find out like, you know, obviously if you get, if you get the money stolen, you, you find out by looking at your bank account, you can see it, but uh, like, how do you, how do you even find out that you've been compromised or some, something's going on? And, and that's the big problem is he, he is another interesting stat is most small businesses are compromised for 27 months before they detect it. Jeez. because there's nothing visible. But like you said, the, these attackers get in, they monitor, they track, and, and they wait for the opportune moment to do it. And because until they do a financial crime or something like that occurs, they don't notice it. Hey, real quick, I want to talk to you about the North Star Real Estate Conference. We've got the North Star Real Estate Conference. It's the third annual. Of course, we're back live this year after taking a one-year hiatus and being virtual. We're live. We've got live and virtual options for you. So I'd love to see you there. North Star Real Estate Conference. It's all about cash flowing real estate. So we're going to be hitting on multifamily. We're going to be hitting on all things commercial. Uh, we'll be talking about syndications, asset management, all of that stuff that you're going to need to know and the mindset behind it. I've got 
great lineup of speakers. So go on to northstarunlimited.live, buy your tickets now. Um, I wanna see you there. I wanna network with you. I wanna shake your hand. I wanna get to know you. And we've got a ton of people that are gonna be there wanting to do the same thing. So join us, North Star Real Estate Conference, October 7th and 8th. Uh, and it is in the Twin Cities at Mystic Lake Casino. So I hope to see you there. Another interesting one, we went into a medium-sized business and we found that they had over $1.3 million of fraudulent transactions that their finance department was doing on a monthly basis that they thought were legitimate because the attackers broke into their email system, they understood how their invoices worked, and they basically mimicked invoices, convinced the company that this was a real contract. And this company for over 14 months oh was making 200K payments out to a fraudulent company that nobody knew about. And the scary part about it, and this is what the CEO looked at me, he goes, Eric, if we didn't have a company like you come in and look and see what was happening, we probably would have kept paying that amount. So a lot of it is just, you really just have to get very clean with your finances, understand, see what's happening and double, triple check everything you're doing. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's frightening right there. So, you know, double, double trick, triple checking, uh, great stuff. You know, the two factor authentication, you know, fairly e pretty easy. Anybody can do that. Uh, you know, having a tax come, anybody can do that. That's, that's all, that's all easy stuff. Uh, is there anything else like really easy that we can do? Is there, should, should we be putting, uh, on our computer, certain, um, you know, software on, or something on our computers to, to help, or is yeah, that so, stuff? Is that stuff not work? Is I don't I don't know. Like I always question: Does this even working? Am I just paying money just to have this sitting on my computer? Is it is it really doing anything? Yeah, the endpoint security products and lots of vendors out there that are around seventy five, eighty five dollars a year subscription. They're good. I mean, they're not going to be a hundred percent. Uh, if, if you do silly, crazy things, it's not going to protect you, but it will catch some of the the core basic stuff. So that's a good thing to have. But, but I'll give you uh, the Bill Gates solution. So, so with Bill Gates, what I designed for him at his desk is he has five computers. He has one computer that he only used for Microsoft. He had one computer he only used for the foundation. He had one computer he only used for finances. He had one computer for only surfing the web. And he had one computer for personal email. So segmentation is the key. Now, I'm not going to tell us unless you're Bill Gates and you're listening, which thank you, uh, I'm, I'm not gonna tell you to get five computers. But what I do and what I train my staff and my clients is two computers. So I have a Windows computer that I use to develop proposals, write my reports, do all my client work with. Then I have a second non-Windows computer. I like iPads, but if you prefer uh, other devices, that's fine. An iPad, and the only thing I do on that iPad is check email and surf the web. That's it. Because with individuals and small businesses, 99% of your attacks are going to come in from embedded links and attachments and emails. You're not going to be running your servers. You're not going to have your own systems. That's your big exposure point. So now if I go in and I'm checking email and surfing the web on a non-Windows device, 97% 
of all malware attacks are Windows-based, not because Windows is more vulnerable, but because it has a large install base. Attackers still know that if I go after Windows, I get a large amount. So by using a non-Windows device for the two most dangerous applications, email and web browsers, takes away a big thing. Then let's say that somebody does develop an iPad attack and I do get infected. There's nothing else on that device. So what do I do? I just re-image it. So I just re-image it. Uh, when that happens, there's no data, there's no information, there's really no impact to my business. So that that's really sort of the ultimate solution. And the reason I like it is it's letting you live your life and run your company. Most security professionals, if you ask for advice, would say, well, don't click on links and don't open attachments and don't email people you don't know. That's how I get business, right? So, so you're telling me that I can't communicate with new folks. I get emails all the time that look just like spam. They say, hey, doc, got some work for you. Click the proposal. We'd love for you to do it. Looks just misspellings, grammatical errors, looks just like the attacks that people tell you not to click on. And I get 200K deals out of it. So, so if you're telling me not to click on emails or attachments, that's not going to work. So I use that separate computer, which now empowers me to do it in a safe way. So that would really be sort of the ultimate device is just have two devices, one for work, one for computers. Some of my friends that are a little more paranoid that runs higher end businesses in the, the nine and 10 figures, they actually use three. So they have one computer for work, they have one computer for finances, and then they have one computer for email and web browsing. So if you wanted to add a third in there, you can. To me, just on the way I do it, I'm okay with the two computers, but that's really your best solution out there. Are, are you, so when you're talking, you know, internet and I got to check my bank account. Um, are we still doing that on the, which computer are we doing that on? We're, we're going online, we're checking the bank account. Is that the online computer or is that the business computer? Uh, so, so if I'm going on just to check my bank account, that's yeah. surfing the web. Is that surfing that's the web? Yeah, that, that's going to be on my iPad, but remember yeah. it has two-factor authentication that goes to my phone. So even if somebody got the basic password, they wouldn't be able to get into that account. And I have account notification turned on. Yep. So it's going to be a lot harder. Even if they get into that, it's going to be a lot harder, much, much harder for them to actually get into your bank account. Yep. And, yeah. and then the, the other real big trick there is uh, never click on links from your bank. So like if you get an email from your bank that says, hey, we've noticed unusual activity, this or that, don't click on it. Remember, your notifications are via text, cell phone. They're not via email. Email's way too dangerous. So never trust those emails or click on it. And then your other option is to use the app. Install the app for your bank. You don't want to be typing it in because attackers actually go and register similar names to your bank. So you want to go in and, and have an app that's preloaded. You want to use two-factor authentication. You never want to believe any emails you get from the bank. And you want to get all notifications to a third-party device, such as a cell phone. Man, I got so many questions. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can remember them all. I'm writing some of them down. but I, uh, So this two computer thing I think is really interesting and, and and like I'm gonna go out and buy a second computer because um you seem like a trustworthy guy and so 
I think, and it sounds really legit, right? <laughs> so, so I'm believing you. Uh, so maybe you're just a sales rep for, uh, iPad, but you know, whatever that it is. You can use Android or anything else. No, I don't, <laughs> okay, okay. No, I, not, I don't have any, good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I only invest in things I know, which is cybersecurity. So yeah. I, I don't actually <laughs> invest in Apple or any of those. So no, uh, you're not. <laughs> no, just, just kidding. Um, but I already got, so I got my one computer though. And I'm sure there's other listeners thinking this. I've got my one computer and I've done everything on this one computer. I've, I've done my emails. I've done, I've done it all. I've got all my files on here. So if I go out and buy another computer, my one is already compromised. Like, so what do I do? Do I have to buy two? Should I just take my computer that's right now, pitch it out the window uh, and then start from scratch, or can I take already uh, this computer that I have and uh, and still use it? Like, what do you suggest there? Uh, so, so two different. One is, yeah, you, you get a new computer, let's say an iPad or an Android, and you start doing email on that. That's pretty good. But if that existing computer you've had for two or three years, then a probability of a compromise is fairly high. Yeah. And you probably want to start, get a new computer and just migrate the data over just to be clean. But I'll also tell you in this day and age, uh, every two to three years, you should be getting a new computer because the tech advances so much. So, so yeah, if you've had one computer for a long period of time, you actually might want to look at getting two new computers and just starting over. Okay. So best practice would be to actually just buy two new devices. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I get, you get these emails and I'm, I'm sure you get them as long as, as well as everybody else, but you know, you get these emails, it looks like it's from somebody, you know, it's, um, you know, your buddy Jim and it says, Hey, I lost your number. You know, can, can you shoot, can you shoot it back over? I lost my phone, lost your number. Can you shoot me your number? Or, Hey, uh, can I call you? Or can you call me or something like that? And you respond back to it because you're like, this is my buddy, Jim. Of course, I'm going to give him my phone numbers. You respond back and then like nothing happens. Jim doesn't call you. You send Jim a text message. Hey, I got your email. He's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, what, what do you do? Like, what? Because uh, I've gotten those. And I'm like, what? Now what happens? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so the, the best bet with those are if they seem legitimate and seem valid is do out of band verification is is go to your cell phone and text your buddy and say hey i just got this email from you everything okay or pick up the phone and call your buddy directly let's say it's somebody you don't have their contact information and you just get this hey todd it's been a while but i would really love to catch up with you and you're like yeah that was a good guy eric i'd like to i'd like to chat with him the, the other option there is try on a social media platform or others to try to find that person and contact them at a band but yeah 99% of those types of emails they're all information gathering they're all trying to go in and either scam you or get information or get data and a lot of them but believe it or not, this might shock you. They're testing. They're testing to see how clickable are you because they're going to send out these basic emails of, hey, it's been a while. would love to catch up. What do you think? 
the people that reply to those or, or say, hey, yeah, it'd be great to catch up this or that, you now go on the special customer list that they're then going to start doing advanced attacks saying, okay, this person is more likely to click on emails, that they don't have any filtering, they're more likely to receive this. And then they use that to launch a second level attack, because that's what people always say, but Eric, what's the harm in replying to an email saying, yes, I'd love to catch up. What it is, is showing them your habits and showing them that you're more likely to be targeted in the future. Yeah, that makes sense. Just, yeah. So if you do respond once you figure out that, okay, this is not real, obviously, what is there anything you can do after, after that is, is do you, do you just block that uh, person? Do you, what do you do? Is there anything you can do or should be doing? Yeah. You just block, block that person out there. If this was 15 years ago, what we used to say when you see these types of scams and attacks is it was a good idea 15 years ago to report them uh, to the police because they it, it technically is criminal activity. The problem today is there's so many of these. Mm -hmm. You're just with, uh, unfortunately, the police do not have the effort resources to do that. So yeah, you just sort of have to block it and move on. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, we've talked about quite a few things here, but are there any, um, any other like key things that we should really be doing, thinking about um, whether it's with our personal computers, whether it's with our phones, you know, all this technology that we have is a blessing, but it's also opens us up for so much vulnerability that we can't see, um, which is just, it's just crazy. And, you know, you think about not very long ago, the only way to get a hundred thousand dollars stolen was for somebody to, you know, beat you up and take your money. Uh, now they just have to get into your account somehow. Um, so what, what else, what, any, anything that we haven't missed that you want to hit on that can protect our business can, or personally. So, so big thing is simplify. If, if you don't need something, if you don't need apps, get rid of them. Hmm. To, to me, the one word I cannot stand is the F word. I mean, it, it just, we, we start talking about the F word, we get into the F word, I just get angry, mad, frustrated and upset. And of course, the F word I'm talking about is free. Mm -hmm. Free is one of the worst things when it comes to apps, inventions, technology, because mm -hmm. free is not free. When you go to your iPhone or your Android, and you download a free app, do you realize over 93%, we just did a study on this, 93% of those apps that are free require that you turn on your microphone, camera, and access to your data. So free is not free. You're exchanging your information for that app. So I, if I'm going to use an app, I only do paid apps. Like people always laugh, why would you spend $7.99 on an app where there's a free version? I'm like, because I don't want my camera, my microphone, and my data accessible. To me, my information and my life is worth more than $7.99. So one thing I always tell people to do is uh, on an iPhone, you can do the same thing on an Android, go under settings, go under privacy, and then you'll see one that says microphone, camera, data, photos. Click on each one of those and it will show you all the apps that are currently on your device that can access the microphone. And here's the scariest part. 
when you install the app and the first time you run it, it says, can we access your mic? And if you say yes, it never has to ask you again. It can access it whenever it wants. And that meets the standards for the app store. Because people always say, well, if they're accessing my mic, that's not an app store. No, no, no. All the app store says is you have to ask permission once. And if the user says yes, then that's a valid app. So every wow. time I do this, I have never had a person when they go in and they look under microphone camera, others where they're like, why is this app? Why is it? And they start removing, 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 removing. That is super powerful. The better thing is delete apps you're not using. We sort of have this mindset that uh, at the end of your life, whoever has the most apps on their phones wins a prize in heaven. Uh, and I'm like, I don't know who came up with that because it's not true. I have nine apps on my phone. That's it. So any apps you haven't used in three months, get rid of, remove, delete. And then the biggest one for you, and I'll go a little outside business because protecting family is important to me. If you have kids that have phones, check the location services. Lots of these apps like your Snapchat, your Instagram, and all those, these kids are turning on their location services because it's, mm -hmm. it's foot cool for their friends to track them. We are seeing so many abductions and uh, child predators and everything else basically pretending to be a 17-year-old girl, friending oh, these folks in Snapchat, getting their location, and then basically they're tracking your child. We're saying we don't want to chip our kids. But guess what? We're already doing it by giving them these devices. So really pay attention to the location services to make sure you're limiting and controlling who has access. Now with my kids, they have location services for me, but only for my app. I use Life360. I'm not endorsing it or saying it's good or bad. So they have it just for that app and nothing else because I want to be able to know where my kids are and make sure they're safe. So there's a balance. I'm not saying all or nothing, but just limit control who's accessing, who's monitoring and who's tracking. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, I mean, it's just like, it's, it's, it's sad to know that there's that these predators out there, but it's, it's just the truth. And so we can't, you can't hide from it. So then you got to go, okay, now what can I do without being super overly paranoid? We still, we still got to live our lives. Um, but what can I do to protect myself, my family, my kids, um, my business? And, and I think these are all really good things. I tend to try to not think about them because I, I, I tend to try to think that people are good and that they're not going to steal my money. They're not going to abduct my kids. They're not going to do all this. And I, I try not to live a paranoid life, but at the same time, sometimes you go, well, there's difference between paranoid and reality. And we got to live in a little bit of reality here and understand, okay, what steps can we take that are just going to protect us that are, that are basic and that aren't over really overbearing in our life. Like you said, I mean, look, if you got one, two, three, four text messages to, to respond to, to allow a transaction to happen, is that really ruining your life? You know, is it, if you have to go through a two-step authentication, is that really wrecking your life? Like, no, these things are, yeah. Is it a little bit of annoyance? Sure. But is it worth it? Absolutely. So. And you nailed it. I mean, my whole thing that I tell people is it's balanced risk and it's with awareness. So I'm not saying don't have any apps on your cell phone. I'm just saying, get rid of the ones you're not using. 
Yeah. I'm not saying you can't have camera access for certain apps. I'm just saying check it and make sure that all the apps are valid and legit. It's just an awareness level so you could balance it and accept the risks you want. Yeah. Well, good thing for me is I have almost no apps on my phone. So I got you, oh, B. Nice. I, I, I don't know how many I have, but I bet it's like three or four. So. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, but it did take me many, many years to finally uh, break down and get uh, a smartphone. So I was one of those like uh, flip phone guys, uh, you know, when everybody else had the smartphones, cause I was like, I don't want that on my phone. <laughs> uh, well, cool. This has been eye opening. I'm sure you could, uh, there's a lot more to, uh, to talk about. Certainly it's a big subject and, uh, it, but will allow people to reach out to you directly to, to get more information uh, and talk, talk to you about your services and stuff like that. Well, I want to um, ask a couple kind of key questions. I always ask my, my guests. And so let's go, let's go to that uh, part of the interview. So what's a, what's a good book, whether it's cybersecurity or just a business book, what's a good book that you can recommend to our listeners? So uh, I'm a big reader. I I read one to two books a week. I read 60 to 70 books a year. So it's going to vary on what I'm currently looking at and and where I'm at. But but, but right now I'm really big on, and you said one, but I'll give you two because they go together, is Blue Ocean Strategy and Play Bigger. And, and, And to me, it's basically my philosophy on business is, is find a blue ocean, find a unique niche that there's not a lot of competition. So price is not a barrier and then become the category king. And then when everyone else comes into the space to make it what we call sort of a red ocean or bloody, you're the category king and then you exit and start a new business. So to me, those two are pretty much aligned with my whole philosophy of growing, selling businesses. Nice. Nice. I like that. Um, what do you, what do you do to give back? What do you like to do to give back? So I believe everyone is put on this planet with a very unique purpose. And I believe my purpose is to make cyberspace a safe place to live, work and raise a family. So I do a lot. I, I go to high schools. I'm a, a big believer, whatever skill set you have, people in high schools need it. So I, I go to high schools and I talk to them about cybersecurity, being safe, because let's face it, 16, 17, 18-year-olds are super smart. They can get around most of the technology controls parents put in place, but they're naive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I want to really help them and keep them safe. So I do a lot with high schools. I do a lot with colleges, with churches. So to me, whatever your unique awesome. skill and purpose is, share it with others, help the next generation, help folks out there. I put out a ton of free content and my team always gets mad going, we can charge for it. I'm like, we can charge for other things, but I want to help people. So I'm a big believer in giving out free content and helping others. And then uh, I, I forget who it was, uh, if it was Zig Ziglar, one of those, but if you help other people, then they'll help you. And, and I'm a big believer in that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's awesome. And th- thanks for going to these high schools and colleges and stuff like that and churches. I mean, people, people need to hear this. They need to understand it. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that just are, they turn to blind to it. They're naive. They don't, they don't, want to think about it, whatever it is. But, um, so that, that's awesome that you're doing that. Um, last question before we wrap up, what are your three pillars of wealth creation? Now, now, now this is what I'm laughing because you, you didn't say legal, 
right? You just said wealth creation. So, so, so you, you'll see how crazy my mind is. I'm originally thinking move to Russia and start a ransomware company, but, but uh, I, I love the United States. I love this country. So that's not going to happen. So, so the, the three legal legitimate ones uh, first is invest in what you know. So, so when, I, when I'm investing in companies and stocks and others, I only play in the cybersecurity space. I know that space. I understand the space. I can manage the space. I see a lot of people with cyber currency and others where they're going in there and they're like, I just made tons of money. And then two weeks later, I just lost all my money because right? they don't understand the space of the market. So I'm a big fan of you, you got to invest in areas you know so you can be careful and play the odds. Second wealth creation is have a real business. A lot of people I talk to have lifestyles that don't have a business. A business, in my opinion, has three things. It runs without you, it makes money, and it's a sellable asset. You don't make wealth by running a company, in my opinion, you make wealth by selling companies. It's the exit that gives you the wealth. So where's your exit? Now it could be three, five, 10 years. I'm running companies that I don't have to sell. And I don't know if I will sell, but there's always a sellable asset there. So when you're building your business, make sure it can run without you and make sure it's a sellable asset because that's how you're going to ultimately make it. And then the third pillar of wealth creation is keep the money you make. And what I mean by that is don't work for others. Anybody can start their own business. Anybody can run their own business. Uh, taking taxes and everything else out of it. If you're earning a dollar, you should keep a dollar. Most people that are working for other folks, you're earning a dollar. They're keeping 70 cents and giving you 30. If you're that lucky, you are not, in my opinion, going to get wealthy by working for others. So yeah. get creative, read those books I mentioned about, find that blue ocean, be the category king, but run a business, have an exit and invest in areas you know. And to me, those are the key things that have blessed me with a lot of wealth. That's awesome. And you've got a, uh, let's go back to cybersecurity. You've got a book uh, out there right about, about that. Funny thing you should ask. <laughs> My new book just came out. Yes. Nice. <laughs> Nice. That's awesome. So cyber, cyber crisis, and we'll put that in the show notes so people can get a uh, link to it. I think that's, that's awesome. Probably pretty eye opening uh, for a lot of people. Um, how else can our listeners get in touch with you and, and uh, you know, learn more about what you got going on? Uh, so my website is secure-anchor.com. And if you want to email me, it's just E-C-O-L-E, E-C-O-L-E at secure-anchor.com. As I said, I give out a lot of free content. So if you go to YouTube and search on D-R-E-R-I-C-C-O-L-E, you'll see a lot of videos out there for free on cybersecurity and different areas. So uh, just follow me on social and I put out content every day. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, thank, thank you uh, for, for all that you're doing here. And this was, this was great. Uh, it's definitely made me think a lot about what I'm doing and uh, maybe some changes I need to make here in the very, very near future. So uh, definitely appreciate it. And you have a fantastic rest of the day. Thanks, Todd. And thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. Your rating and review just helps us push this out to 
more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.